The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, happy Easter, everybody. Welcome to ACF Church. Welcome to Easter morning. We're glad that you're here. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so glad that, uh, that you're here spending Easter morning with us. We're going to start with something that if you grew up going to church, uh, you know what to do. It's just a response on Easter morning. When somebody says, He is risen, you respond back with what? He's risen indeed. Let's do that again. So, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. I'm glad you guys are here. We're, uh, we're excited to have church this morning. Who's at the egg drop? Anybody show up to that? That was a lot of fun. Or the egg mob, whatever you want to call that. There was no actual dropping of eggs. Man, Alaska, that's how it goes sometimes. You, you can't change the weather. But um, just an awesome event. We had uh, probably a few thousand people from our community out there. Lots of fun to be had. Muddy mess. It was kind of like a kid's version of Woodstock, I felt like, you know, just like mud wrestling and craziness going on there. Anyway, um, so that was a lot of fun. And we have a lot of volunteers, you guys, uh, from the people who are working in the parking lot to the people who served yesterday. We have uh, a few hundred volunteers that have made this weekend possible. So can we give it up for our volunteers today? Yeah, none of this happens without all of you being invested and involved. Um, we can't do this on our own. The staff can't. You guys make ACF what it is. We're just here to help you uh, do what you do, to love on our city and care for people. And so we hope that that was just a great chance for us to show people that, uh, that God loves them and just for that free event. Uh, also, uh, before we get too far into this, if you have a smartphone, I want you to pull it out real quick. We did this at Christmas. We're going to do it again this time of year. It's something called Check-In for Change. And uh, check-in for change is simply a way that we're going we're gonna to kind of repurpose Facebook. Anybody on the Facebook? A few of you are on the Facebook. So uh, it's just, what is, what's the purpose of social media? We're going to give it a purpose. We're going to make, make it useful. And so what I want you to do is check in at ACF Church on the Facebook. And uh, you can say whatever you want. Say something nice about my hair uh, or... You can if you want to. Guy up front looks like Jesus, whatever you want. But just write something and a check-in. And for every five check-ins, we're going to work with our partner, the Downtown Soup Kitchen, and we're going to give a meal to somebody that otherwise would not be eating. And so we're, we're trying to use the resources that we have as a church to do the most good possible. And this is just a way that you can help out with that by getting the word out about what's going on on Sunday morning. And then, uh, and then we're going to feed some people through that. So thanks for doing that. We're calling this morning Evading Love. That's the title of this Easter, evading love. Now, if you don't know what to evade means or evasion, um, it means basically somebody who's avoiding something. And, and maybe you've talked to somebody before and you're like, hey, you're kind of being a little evasive. It, it simply means that you're not getting a straight answer out of them. You can't really understand what they're trying to say, to be evasive to avoid. And then the word love means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, maybe when you think of love, you think of pain and struggle. Maybe you think of emotions or, you know, you think of, uh, you know, pink little, like, like, like little hearts and you think of Valentine's Day and you think of a, a chick flick or whatever it is that you think of when you think of love. But one thing's for sure 
and that's that we all want love. We all, everybody in this room is looking for love, not just emotional love, but relational love, to be loved. And we've even made finding love uh, pretty simple today. We've got things like Match.com, um, you know, I've got a few friends that were married through eHarmony, and I guess that works for a lot of people, finding relationships. Uh, now there's Tinder. Anybody on Tinder? Uh, it's kind of, you're like, I don't want to admit it. Married guys, don't raise your hand. Don't do that. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Tinder. I'm not on it, married guy. So, um, but here's what I understand. Basically, you get a picture of, you know, a guy or a girl, and if you're interested, you swipe right on the screen. You get more information. If you're not interested, you swipe left. So Tinder has boiled this whole love thing down to its most basic form. Are you hot or not? Right? That's all it takes. Are, are you hot or not? That's how I decide how I'm moving forward in my love life. But wouldn't it be great if love was that easy? You know, you just kind of had to swipe left until you found what you were looking for, and then you can kind of swipe right, and then all of a sudden, like, you have love in your life. Well, Jesus tells us what real love is. He tells us what it really means to experience love. And in 1 John 3.16, we read about Jesus' love for us. It says, By this we know love, that he being Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So Jesus, his kind of love is sacrificial love. It's different than maybe the kind of love that you've either experienced or given. And we all, we all want love to be this way, but you understand that for a lot of us, it's not sacrificial. It can be very selfish. So Jesus has a selfless kind of love, and we see that in the crucifixion and the resurrection, that Jesus is God himself, come to earth, puts on the flesh of humanity, and wallows around in the mess that we've created. That's a God that loves us. That's a sacrificial God. Now here's the problem. That's not what the Messiah was supposed to be like. For the Jews of the day and the religious people of the day, they didn't expect that Jesus would come as a suffering servant. They wanted a religious leader. They wanted a powerful man, somebody that would help them get out from underneath this Roman oppression that would, you know, lead the people forward and raise up this, this next generation and take care of us and give us more power. And Jesus, he shows up and he, he, he doesn't have the religious swagger that they were looking for, you know? Like, he doesn't have that strut through the street like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the next big thing. He walks through the streets and he kneels down in the mud with people who need some help. And he talks to people who are sinners and who are the, the down and out and dirty of their society. And he, he just kind of has a slow pace to his life. He's not motivated enough. This Jesus, he's not building enough things. He's not building enough of a, of, of a, of a religious structure. And so these, these religious leaders, they were like, that's not the Messiah. He's not the real one. But the problem was Jesus was gaining a following. Pretty soon, it turns to hundreds and thousands of people are following Jesus. In fact, last week, uh, we talked about it was Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday is a celebration of Jesus coming into the city on a donkey, and everybody's shouting, Hosanna, which means God save us. But here's the thing. They wanted a soldier, but Jesus came as a servant. He came as a servant to all of humanity. He was different than what they had expected. And by Friday, the crowds had dwindled. By Friday, the religious leaders had worked with one of Jesus' close friends, Judas, to identify Jesus, ultimately, Jesus would be taken before Pilate, who was the governor of Judea at that time, tried like a criminal, and he was given this, he was told that he was saying he was king of the Jews, and this was not okay. And Jesus never said that, but he was put on trial for treason, then finally taken to the cross and crucified for us. 
So that's the story, but here's the thing. I think about that crowd and I relate to them in a lot of ways. I relate to this idea that they revere him one minute and they reject him the next. Anybody connect with that? Like, oh yeah, I'm a Jesus follower. Oh yeah, I love this. Uh, He's feeding me. He's taking care of me. A lot of times Jesus would make food. Uh, He would multiply food for people and he was their meal ticket. Honestly, Jesus was a means to an end for a lot of different people. And when they stopped getting what they thought they were going to get out of Jesus, they, they were like, I don't want anything to do with it. So they revere him one minute, reject him the next. He goes to the cross and he dies for all of humanity, for our sins. But here's the beautiful thing. We know this. This is what we celebrate on Easter, that despite their rejection and, and, and through all of the pain and through all of the ridicule, Jesus is resurrected. And he comes to life, and and the whole point is that Jesus is king over the entire earth, even death itself, itself. And that's what we celebrate on Easter, that Jesus is Lord over all the earth and even death. He can can conquer death. That's Easter. That's the whole point. So I want you to open up to Luke chapter 24. And this is where we're going to read this morning. If you don't have a Bible, um, you can watch it on the screen behind me, or you can download the the YouVersion Bible app. And that's just a great way to keep all these verses with you. But this is a story of two men who on Easter morning were very discouraged. This is Easter morning, 2,000 years ago. Jesus is dead. Their Messiah is dead. These are two followers of Jesus. It says disciples, but they weren't part of the inner 12. They were part of the crowd that was following Jesus. And they are completely discouraged because this guy that was supposed to be their, their reigning king is now dead in a tomb. And so in Luke 24 verse 13, it says that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here these days? He's like, are you the only one that doesn't get this? So Jesus comes into this conversation. These two guys are arguing, and they're walking down the street, clearly frustrated with the situation, clearly upset that Jesus isn't alive. And this man walks up, and he's like, Hey, guys, what's going on? What are you so upset about? You know, like, they, they don't know it's Jesus, but he, he, like, interrupts their conversation, which I don't know if you've ever been in an argument and somebody, like, walks into the conversation, not really that cool of a moment, you know, come on, dude, understand we're going through something here. And they look at him and they say, are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on here? How could you not know why we're so frustrated? And I was, I was thinking about this. It's kind of like I was remembering back to when um, the Twin Towers fell on 9-11. And I remember my uh, friends and I, we were in a coffee shop, and this friend of mine walks in, and we've been there all day long, watching the news, just glued to it. And his buddy walks in, he's not on the internet, doesn't have a cell phone, and doesn't really watch the news. And he's like, hey guys, what's going on? Why is everybody crying? What's the deal? What's going on? And we're like, dude, how could you not know? How could you not know? And that's just how it was for them. Like, how could you not know that this guy Jesus, who is the Messiah, is now dead? And the thing is, They didn't notice who he was. And I was thinking, what was keeping them from noticing Jesus? Why was he right in front of them and they didn't get it? Verse 25 says, And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus, in his wisdom, says, you guys, you're foolish and you're slow to heart. You don't get what's going on, which I connect with this. Um, sometimes I'm the last guy to get what's going on around me. I'm a little slow in the uptake sometimes. That's, I was these guys. They're like, you know, completely clueless. And Jesus is like, you guys are slow. Let me explain this to you. So he opens up the scriptures to them. And from the beginning to the end, he says, this is how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of what was supposed to happen. He basically shows them that the death of Jesus was all part of the plan. It was all part of the plan, and they missed it. They didn't see that. They were, just, they were trusting what they were seeing in front of their eyes, and all they were seeing what was, was what was right in front of their faces, and they missed it. It's like Jesus knew this. He knew that we need open hearts before Jesus can open our eyes. We need open hearts before he can open our eyes. Because the question is, like, why didn't Jesus say, hey, guys, I'm Jesus. Like, I'm back. Here I am. It's all good. Don't fret. Here, like, why didn't he just show himself to them? That would have been a lot easier than spending all this time walking through the scriptures with them, talking about it, explaining to them. Jesus knew we need open hearts before he can open our eyes. And some of you here today have hearts that are closed off. And in many ways, as I look at my life, although I think my heart's been open to Jesus, there are still parts of it that I keep from him. These are the parts that I'm like, God, you got no business in this area of my life. Just, you just hang out over here, you know, you just hang out in the church, and I'm going to go over here and live my life. So here's my question. What is it that's a barrier in your, in your life to having an open heart? Because what can happen is once your heart opens up, you'll be able to see. But until your heart is open to Jesus, you won't see him. That's what was going on with these guys. They didn't even have it in their hearts that he could be alive. And so he was right in front of their faces, and they missed him. So I've got kind of an illustration of that right here. Um, many of you know that uh, I'm a welder. That's kind of my trade, welding, and I'm a diesel mechanic as well. And that's just a couple of things that I used to do before I got into ministry. And I love to weld, so this is one of my favorite. I just love being behind this mask. Any welders in the room? Any guy? Yep, awesome. Got a few of you guys. It's, uh, it's therapeutic, isn't it? Like, you get behind the mask and you just do this, and the whole world is out there, and I love it. So it's just my little happy place, right? So I get underneath the mask and things are good, but if you don't know what a welding helmet's purpose is, the whole point is to protect you from the light. What we know about Jesus is Jesus is called the light of the world. And I was thinking about, it's kind of like this, like I've got this, this protection between me and the light, this barrier that I put up to protect me from it. And I wonder for you this morning, as you just, would you mind just kind of considering your own heart for a couple seconds? Like, I know it's Easter morning, there's a lot going on today, but would you slow down and think just for a couple seconds, are there barriers between my heart and seeing the real Jesus? Like, are there things that I put up between me and God? Uh, I was thinking about a few different things uh, that can be barriers. We as a church talk a lot about how we're a church for the churched, unchurched, and dechurched crowd. And we have a lot of people in this room and in our church who I would say fit into that de-churched crowd, people that went to church at one point in their life and then never went back. They had a bad experience. In fact, I met a lady last week. Um, she came back to church, to ACF Church. She hadn't been to church in 25 years. 25 years. She said, I went to a Christian school and then I never went back. And it was just a bad experience for her. And so she's just getting back into church. 
But she's got, a, she's got a historical barrier. She had some things go down. And for some of you, this is kind of your barrier. Like, yeah, I don't really want to align myself with Christians or with Jesus. In fact, when I see them on the news, they don't look a whole lot different than anybody else. So what's the point? So I'm, I'm just, I've got this kind of historical barrier where I've seen things that, you know, I don't really like, or I've been to a church and that church was really, you know, didn't look a whole lot like Christ. And so I don't want to be a part of it. And it's kind of like this. It'd be like if, 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 if you met me and you're like, Brian, um, we can't hang out because I can't stand your kids. <laughs> Which honestly, it's like, well, th- th- first, that's a great way to get throat punched. But um, the, so the second problem is that that's just really bad logic, right? I mean, to not want to be with somebody because their kids are kind of a mess, that'd be, you, you would think that would be terrible, right? But this is how it is when we come to Jesus. We're like, Jesus, you know, your kids are kind of a wreck. So I don't want anything to do with you. But you need to understand, Jesus is not the church. Jesus is not his kids. His kids need Jesus. We need God. We need Jesus. And that's why we come here together every week, because we are a mess. And as much as we try to look like Jesus, I've probably been part of the problem. You know, who knows? Maybe you've seen something in my life and you've been like, hey, that guy doesn't look whole like, like Jesus. You know, that's not something I want to be a part of. I don't know. But we're doing our best to look like him, and he's so much better than us. Amen? Amen. So I don't know if that's your barrier. Maybe it's a theological barrier. You're here today, and you've got kind of a belief that if I just kind of do a few good things in my life, if I help a few old ladies across the street, you know, toss a couple bucks in the plate once in a while, show up to church occasionally, um, then maybe God will allow me into heaven. I'll kind of power slide through the fire at the last second, you know, and be like, whew, barely made it, you know, but I made it. And so you've got this kind of sliding scale where you're like, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. Maybe I'm not as good as this guy. I'm somewhere in the middle, and hopefully that's enough. But here's my question. If that's your barrier today, do you really want to use the word hopefully when it comes to your eternal destiny? Do you really want to use that term? Because the Bible says this, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, which means because of God's justice, that means that we all deserve separation from God, every single one of us. Maybe you're the best person you know. You need to understand that's not good enough. And if it was good enough, the whole cross thing, Jesus dying for us, that was all a waste of time. If we could do anything to please God, then the cross was a total waste of time. So maybe it's a theological barrier. Understand that we need Jesus. There there ain't no way you're getting to heaven without Jesus. Or maybe it's a logical barrier. As you look at the resurrection, you just think, well, that's kind of far-fetched, isn't it? You think uh, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, and Jesus. You know, you kind of pile them in together. Or maybe you even think, I hear this a lot, people bring their kids to church because they're like, I think my kids need to learn something about Jesus and that whole story. But for you yourself, you don't really think it's that important to learn. Like, it doesn't need to change your life, but you feel this kind of conviction that your kids need to know something about it. Here's the thing. As Christians, we don't believe in the resurrection because Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Like our belief is a historical belief as well. As you look back at history, you read the Bible and you read historical documents, we know a few things. Jesus actually lived. He was a real man. We know that he was crucified. We know that he was buried in a tomb. And we know that nobody's ever found his bones. That he did die and that he went somewhere. Now, some would say maybe it's just some kind of lie. Maybe they just made it up. They wanted to start this little fledgling religion, you know, to take power away from Judaism. I don't know what your belief is, 
But here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that gets me. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the Gospels, these people are eyewitnesses to Jesus after the resurrection. These guys saw Jesus with their own eyes. Eyewitnesses of Jesus. And they believed it. Then we read about James. James was, uh, who knows how James was related to, to Jesus? What was his relationship? His brother, right? So he was his little brother. And we talked about this as we walked through James's letter, is that, uh, you know, what would it take to convince your little brother that you're the Messiah, really? You know, what would that really take? But James, being Jesus's little brother, knowing him his entire life, believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Towards the end here, he becomes one of Jesus's most uh, most committed followers, and he ends up dying for this belief. We also read in 1 Corinthians 15 that over 500 people were eyewitnesses to Jesus after the resurrection. Over 500 people saw Jesus after the resurrection. So if this was just some kind of little lie, I mean, I can barely coordinate getting my kids into the car to go to church on a Sunday morning, you know. Or I, it's like to coordinate something like this, get everybody telling the same story and go in the same direction, and then ultimately for these people to die for something they knew was false just doesn't make any sense to me. Honestly, I think it takes more faith to think the resurrection isn't real than to believe that it is. So I don't know what your barrier is today. Is it historical? Is it theological? Is it logical? What is your barrier? And I want you to consider, just please take a few seconds in your heart right now and ask yourself this question, is my heart open to Jesus? And, and I just wonder for you today, what is it that's right in front of your face? I just think a lot of us, we live three inches in front of our face all the time. And maybe you're like, yeah, Brian, I tried praying to God and he's just not there. But understand this, God's not running from us. If anybody's running, it's you. It's you that's running. And sometimes it takes situations like it took for this couple to realize what's right in front of you. And I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what's going on in your life. But God loves you enough that he will do whatever it takes to show himself to you. And I want you to know, like, I don't know what brought you to church, to the, you know, this morning, if, if there's something going on in your life, or if this is just your routine of going to church on Easter, or maybe a friend brought you. I don't know where you're at today, but I think you're here for a purpose. I think God has you here right now, and that your entire life has been orchestrated in such a way that God is trying to show himself to you, that he's right in front of you. The question is, is your heart open to him? Or do you have barriers that you're unwilling to let go of? Things that you are unwilling to process so that you can see Jesus who's right in front of your face. Let's continue on in this passage. It says in verse 28, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, he being Jesus. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened us to the scriptures? So here's the question. These guys are left in this moment. Jesus is there before their eyes. He breaks bread. And in that moment, I think they got a flashback. They got a flashback to the night before Jesus was crucified or the night that Jesus was betrayed. Like he's in the upper room with all these guys and he's breaking bread and he's saying, hey, this breaking of bread is kind of like the breaking of my body. And this, this wine is like the pouring out of my blood. I'm broken and I'm spilled out for all of humanity. 
So they got this flashback to then. They, then they had this image of Jesus on the cross being crucified and broken and poured out for all of humanity. And then right before their eyes, this man that they couldn't recognize breaks the bread and they, they get it. They get it. It makes sense to them. All of a sudden, their hearts were open to Jesus by the scriptures and by what he had said, and now their eyes were open. And I think in this moment, these guys, this is when they got saved. I think this is the moment of salvation. Like, these guys had followed Jesus. They had walked in his footsteps maybe for years, but they didn't truly get who he was. And in that moment, their eyes were open. Some of you have been to church for years. You've been around Christianity. You would say that you're a Christian, maybe. Maybe you're kind of a follower of Jesus, you know, like you'd follow somebody on Facebook, but you're not truly somebody who believes in Jesus. And I want to ask you, be honest today, do you believe this stuff? Do you believe it? Because I think if you're willing to open your heart, Jesus will open your eyes, and it's going to make sense. And is your heart ready to receive it is my next question. Are you ready to receive the, the, the forgiveness and the grace that Jesus offers us today? Are you prepared for that? I want you to picture Jesus on the cross right now, looking into your eyes. And I want you to imagine that you're part of the crowd. Imagine you're one of the people hurling insults at him. Because we as, we as the, the people, we recognize that we are the ones that sent Jesus to the cross. Now, you weren't there but he died for you. So imagine you're in the crowd and he's up there on the cross and he looks in your eyes and he says, I forgive you. Some of you have, have, have not heard that in a long time. And he says, I love you. And some of you have never heard I love you in a way that's unconditional, has no strings attached. I love you. He's looking you in the eyes and he's saying, I forgive you. I have plans for you. Some of you don't feel like your life is worth anything. You're, you're here today, and you're like, Brian, if I wasn't here, nobody would care. Nobody would care. Like, it would, be, it would be not a problem if I just disappeared right now. Understand this today. This is the whole point, that the cross is evidence that God cares. Whatever you think about yourself, whatever you've gone through, if you're like, Brian, you wouldn't express this to me, you wouldn't offer this to me if you knew what I did, if you could just put it up on the screen, what happened yesterday, two years ago, 10 years ago, you wouldn't say that God could forgive me. Understand this, God became a man, and he died because he can forgive you, and he's offering that to you today. Would you close your eyes for just a few minutes as we pray, as we close? Jesus. We need your grace today. God, I ask that you would speak in this room to us. And if you're here today, uh, there are three things I think you need to step forward. And the first is to recognize that you are truly a sinner. And this is hard to swallow. I get it. I get it because we all like to hide our mistakes. We all like to minimize our problems and act like they're just not that big of a deal. But the first thing that we have to know is that we are the reason that Jesus had to die. Not you just do bad things once in a while, not you just make mistakes occasionally or lapses of judgment, but that if you're honest, if you look at your heart, that left to your own desires and your own will, you would destroy yourself and the people around you. And I know this to be true in my own life. So it's first just to admit, God, I'm a sinner. And the second step is to believe in Jesus. And belief in the scriptures is always tied to a step of faith. And so I want to encourage you, if, if, if you believe in Jesus, it means that you actually are walking in step with him.
You're willing to take steps of faith towards him. And then the third thing is to confess. Confess it. Understand you're a sinner, believe in Jesus and confess it. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all it takes. It's that simple. And so as our eyes are closed, as we're just slowing down here for a minute, as you're wrestling with any barriers that you have between you and God, I want to offer you three prayers. And the first is for somebody who's here and you're like, Brian, I don't really get this. I just came for a Krispy Kreme donut and um, I'm not really into this whole thing, but you're here and you're interested. You're like, I don't know, this whole thing's a little compelling, and maybe there's something inside of you uh, that's burning. Maybe your heart is kind of burning a little bit, and you're just not sure what to do with it. I want you to pray these three words. Pray, Jesus, I'm curious, just in your own heart. And that's a first step. That's a real first step. If you're here today and maybe you've been a Christian and you've been disconnected from the church or maybe you've been the, the, the de-churched and you've been hurt by somebody in the church, but you realize today that Jesus, he's better than the church. He's why we exist because we need a savior. And maybe you're here today and you're gonna, you're gonna take a step forward. I want you to pray these three words, a simple prayer. Jesus, I'm back. Jesus, I'm back. And the third prayer is for somebody here who, you're here and you didn't expect to make any changes in your life when you walked into this place today. But you know today that if you left this place, you don't know where you would spend eternity. You don't know if God would receive you as one of his children, as his daughter, or as his son. And you're like, I, I want that today. I don't want to just a get out of hell free card. I actually want to put God on the throne in my life. And if that's you, it's so simple. I want you to pray these three, these three words. Just say, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. Father, I want to pray for everyone in this room who's taken a step today in one direction towards you. God, I pray that this would be a lifelong process, God, and that we'd move forward in this, God. I, I ask that Easter Sunday 2016 would be the day that people in this room found salvation. God, and that the cross became more than a childhood story, but it became access to the God who loves us. God, thank you so much for saving us. Thank you so much for the grace that you give us. Thanks that we can get together and celebrate that you are alive and we can be alive in Christ Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen. Can we give God a hand for new life in Christ today? Amen. If you, take a, if you took a step to, to, towards God this morning and you know that in your heart you are moving forward, um, here's the first thing you do. I want you to make that known. And you, on your seat, I want you to pull out that little card that says, I found love. I found love. Just grab that card. And if that's you today, I want you to take one little step. It's not a big step. But I want you to take one step and I want you to drop that in the box uh, as it passes you by the offering or in the box in the back of the room. And I want you to put that in there as a symbol of you taking a step towards Jesus. And also, um, I want you to invite you back next week. We're starting a new series called Blind Spots where we're talking about who we are. We're talking about our identities. And you guys, this is so important. 
Identity is such a key issue. People talk about identity a lot in our culture today, and who we are determines what we do. And here's what I know in my life. When I know who I am as a person, I can get traction in the areas of my life that I haven't been getting traction in. And so I want to invite you back next week. If you're here today and, and, and uh, you don't plan on coming back because this isn't a big deal to you, I just I want to ask you a question. Just look me, look me in the eyes real quick. I want, you to, I want to ask you, would you give church a shot one more time? Would you give it one more shot? And just see if maybe God would speak to you. Just see if, if this whole thing's the real deal. That's my prayer. So we're going to close out by singing together. We do this every week. Um, we sing as a, as a church, and it's just, it's just a way that we express what's going on inside of our hearts. And so let's stand up together, and let's sing as we close. Love you guys. Thanks.